God's Word. I just wanted to uh, uh, share a little bit about, as I prepared for this this week, uh, the Lord brought to my remembrance um, an event that occurred when I was about six. Six years old, I remember this event taking place because I started doing chores, I remember, um, and I remember being paid an allowance for those young people in here. That's when you help out at home and your parents bless you because of it. So I started saving my allowance, whatever that was, saving it, saving it, saving it. Finally, I got the opportunity to make my very first purchase as a young person. And of course, I went out and bought the most very latest, coolest, greatest invention of all. And they used this great new uh, material called styrofoam. And what it was was a really great big styrofoam plane. And this plane had a wingspan of like five feet. You know, and it was huge, and I was little, and it was great, and I finally got it, put it all together, right, and it's just the coolest thing, and this thing was known, it was called like the Acme Glider or whatever, and you would throw this thing, and it would just glide and glide and glide through it, it was great, it did exactly what it was supposed to do, but then I got cocky, and I saw where you could whip it down, and it would do a flip, and then glide, so... As a little guy, I winged it, and it did its flip, and I was stoked, and it started to uh, glide, and the wind caught it, and it glided some more, and then finally it glided so sweetly that it glided right into the road, and it was like as soon as it hit that restricted airspace, this Mack truck come flying through and crushed my brand new styrofoam acme glider into little tiny styrofoam balls all over the road and i realized something at that very moment it was the first time i've ever had the experience of disappointment and discouragement you know as a little kid you know that was my money and that guy just drove away didn't say nothing he destroyed my thing so as i was preparing for this message i want to talk a little bit about discouragement um, and the biblical precedent for it. Here, set it up just a little bit, very familiar story in the Bible. Uh, Mary Magdalene, after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, is just distraught, discouraged, just down in a big way. She went to, after the Passover, she went to the tomb where Jesus was laid, and that's where we pick up our story our text in verse 11 reads from the New Living Translation, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and she wept. She stooped down and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot, the place where the body of Jesus was being laid. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked, because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? 
She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Let's pray. Father, it's in your name that we've gathered this morning, seeking your presence, your power, your anointing in our lives as we encourage one another and as we reason together from your word, build up in us, Lord God, the exact need met through Christ Jesus. We thank you for this, Lord, opportunity to, to share your word and receive your word. Lord, give us a heart to receive it. And Lord, push away all distractions and allow every word be from you. We love you. We thank you for this. And we give you all the glory and honor in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, so you don't think this is a wussy girl thing. John the Baptist, who the Bible says, is the greatest of all the prophets, was there in the Jordan baptizing, yelling out, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, a little side note, my very first sermon some 20 years ago was on that, and, and I started out my sermon in a Pentecostal church uh, a lot louder than that, because you're allowed to get loud. Uh, and I... Re- and, and, I don't know why I went there, but um, <laughs> repent. John the Baptist is saying, repent, repent for the kingdom of God. And Jesus shows up. And John says, there is the son of God. And Christ comes and tells John the Baptist, says, listen, I need to be baptized. And John's like, wait, whoa, I need to be baptized of you. You don't need to be baptized of me. And Christ says, well, listen, for the fulfillment of all righteousness, let's do this thing. So John baptizes him. And God the Father had spoken to John and told him, the Holy Spirit told John, that when you see a dove descend upon the one, you will know that that is the Messiah. Not to mention that when Christ came up out of the water, The skies opened up and God the Father spoke out and said, this is my son who I am well pleased, right? And then a dove or or something like a dove descended and, and laid down and rested upon Christ. John knew that this was the Messiah. He knew it. Fast forward to the 11th chapter um, in Matthew in the second verse and it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison now, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? What? I thought John knew. I thought God spoke to him. And a lot of scholars, one of which I am not, are baffled by this. Which baffles me. Because it's clearly discouragement that John is experiencing. And because of discouragement, doubt rises up. So he asked because he was discouraged. He was in prison. He was preparing himself to be removed. Let's go with that. He needed to know. He was discouraged. His faith wavered and doubted. So it's not just a lady thing. It affects everybody. Listen, discouragement and disappointment is normal emotions that we all will experience. 
even as Christians. The fact is that discouragement takes no effort whatsoever. It comes supernatural to us. As soon as we fail to trust God and his goodness, we become discouraged. Uh, Discouragement, dash, the feeling of having lost hope or confidence. Discouragement is a disease that is unique to the human race. This thing is just for us, guys and gals. Everyone eventually becomes discouraged. Everyone. And I have no doubt today that you've experienced discouragement or maybe even many, many, many times. Or maybe today you're here and you're discouraged. Well, I want you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. It hits everybody. Matter of fact, some of the greatest men and women of God have been discouraged. Um, I give you lists and lists, but let's just stick to the Bible, amen? Job felt discouraged when his life fell apart and his wife and his friends were just not very helpful. Elijah became discouraged when life circumstances, when he, being the prophet, called to call Israel back to God, Jehovah, calls out 850 prophets of Baal to come to the mountain and and put on a little demonstration of God's faithfulness. Elijah said, listen, you take an ox, I'll take an ox. You prepare your ox, I'll prepare my ox. We'll put our oxes, our sacrifices on the altar that we've built, and, and, and you call upon your God and see what he does. And then I'll call on my God and we'll see what he does. These guys, the prophets of Baal, day, daybreak to night, cried out to their God. Nothing. Nothing. So much so that Elijah started picking on these guys, saying, goofing on them, saying, where's your God? You know, he's a clown, I paraphrase. Then Elijah says, listen, I'm going to dump water on mine. I'm going to saturate it. And he called upon God, Jehovah God, the God of Israel, our God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And that God opened up the heavens yet again and consumed that offering, every drop, Everything on that altar was received by God. Elijah did this to win the hearts of King Ahab and his wicked wife. Right? So much so that he, he after the, the contest, if you will, he thought for sure that they would be win to God, that, that Israel would come back to Jehovah so much so that the Bible says that Elijah ran to, the, to the, um, the king's chambers 20 miles and beat the chariots, beat the king back. That's what the Bible says. Hey, I mean, he outran horses for 20 miles. That's how confident he was that this thing was going to work. He got there, and the king and his wicked wife wasn't converted. They were... Matter of fact, went the opposite way and threatened to kill Elijah. Elijah's the circumstances of what he thought was going to happen didn't happen, and he became seriously discouraged, so much so that he left 
went to a place far away, left his servants, and went and sat, and sat under a tree and asked God to take his life. That's how discouraged he was. Jeremiah. Jeremiah felt discouraged about God. He was discouraged with God. He preached for, what, 40 years? Because God told him to, one of the prophets, and not one conversion. Ooh, that could get heavy. Peter, he felt discouraged with himself. We all know Peter. David felt very discouraged when he lost his son. You're not alone if you've been discouraged or are discouraged. And it's important that you hear today. If you're here and that's you, hear what God has to say. Um, me and myself, I can share that some, gosh, probably 16 years ago now, uh, God called me to, to, to uh, plant a church. And I'm like, oh, okay, so where? And he's like, Calabash. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. You do not want me in Calabash. Calab Are there people there? It's just restaurants, right? <laughs> so we did, we planted a church and and. Five, six years are going, and, and things are great. But somewhere around the three to four-year mark, God starts speaking to me. He says, I want you in Shalom. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So I figured it was me, right? Because, of course, this is good. The work in Calabas is good, where people are getting saved, baptized, serving, loving people. It's great. Now you want me out of here? I pushed it off about two years. Every time I drove to church, Wednesday night, Sunday mornings, every time I heard God, Jello, Jello. I'm like, this is crazy. To the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And one Sunday, some people here can attest that I walked into the church and I said, I love you and I'm here for you and I'd do anything for you, but God wants me in Shalom, believe it or not. So we left. And, it, and those of you that have been in ministry on any level, you know that can be very difficult internally, emotionally, physically, everything. It's brutal. Not long after that, my mom got sick and died at 60 years old. Not long after that, some spiritual truths that I've based my strength on as a man of God were turned upside down. And it threw me for a loop. And I become extremely discouraged. So it happens. Doesn't matter who you are and or where you're going, you will experience discouragement. So I just want to share with you um, how to battle discouragement. First, we got to know what causes it. And I'm going to use Peter, because he's a great guy, to express what I want to share about discouragement today. Peter, real quick. Peter, you know, obviously, is a disciple. And well, I'm going to talk about Peter the disciple, not Peter the apostle. Peter the disciple spent 42 months, give or take, with Jesus. Could you imagine? Could you imagine waking up every day for three and a half years, and experiencing his teachings, both private and public, Peter was there. 
Peter was there when the healings happened. He saw the lame healed. He saw the blind given sight. Peter was there when Jesus raised Lazarus and Jairus' daughter from the dead. Peter was there at the transfiguration when Elijah and Moses and Jesus transformed or transfigured. Peter was there. Peter was one of two people that I know of that walked on water and experienced all the water recreational activities that came along with being on the Sea of Galilee. Peter was there. 42 months. But Peter's last 12 hours and the disciples' last 12 hours um, were crazy, emotional, and physically um, roller coaster ride. The last 12 hours or so, they, they ate the last Passover, celebrated the last Passover meal with Jesus. His feet was washed by Christ. He was told yet again, but this time it was different. This time, this is my time, Christ said. All throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus teaching, it is not my time. It is not my time. Well, this Thursday evening, he says, it is my time. And he expressed and told, and we all know that he sat at the table and he, and he expressed the truth of, of what the Passover meant and what it is going to mean. Jesus told them that my body would be broken for you. My blood would be spilled for the remission of sins. Right? This is serious stuff. If your life was centered around Christ that day. Peter was crazy about Jesus. But listen, not long after that, Christ says, listen, we're going to the garden. And the garden of Gethsemane was a place where it was very common to these guys because that's where they would go to to unplug, or for us, unplug, for them, we relax and pray away from the crowds. So it was familiar. So they go back there, and Peter was one of the three that, that, that Jesus said, listen, I want you to watch and pray. Jesus goes and prays, comes back, and what are they doing? They're sleeping. Okay, it's an emotional time. He was worn out. Jesus tells him, listen, I need you to pray and watch. Jesus goes back and prays his prayer. Father, not my will, but thy will. Comes back, and they're sleeping again. Jesus is like, listen, I need you to watch and pray, for my hour is at hand. Jesus goes back, prays, comes back, they're sleeping. They're exhausted. You've got to be exhausted if Christ tells you three times, listen, this is the time we've been preparing for. Now it is. Pray and watch. And they're sleeping. Let me tell you, what I have learned and what the Bible teaches, that fatigue will bring discouragement in your life. If you need a break, take a break. The, probably one of the greatest things I have learned here at Coastal uh, and Pastor Lucas is big about, is rest. Rest. That was a foreign concept to me. Um, you know, doing 50 hours at the church and running a business and the family. 
What do you mean rest? What do we rest? Well, God says we need to rest. Matter of fact, so much so I bought a boat. <laughs> I need to rest. And, and, you know, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. We need to be people who are willing to rest because without rest, fatigue will drag us down. Frustration. Same story after the prayer incident with Jesus and the guys sleeping. Not long after that, they came to take Jesus away. The arrest of Christ. Peter, being Peter, when the, when the high priest temple guards come to take him, he pulled out his sword, which is more like a pocket knife, and probably went to stab the slave. And Peter's a fisherman, not a warrior, and missed the chest and hit him in the ear. And Jesus was like, whoa, whoa, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. This ain't how we do this, Peter. And Jesus heals the slave. You all know the story. But listen, the truth is that when we try to do something in our own strength, and our own understanding, we'll fail. And when we can't, when we just can't do it anymore because we don't know how to do it in of ourselves, we become frustrated. Peter was frustrated. Not long after that, um, Peter became very down on himself because of failure. Peter was the guy who said, no way, Lord, I'm going to be by your side. I will die for you. Guards come. Peter's way doesn't work. What does he do? He becomes a failure in the way he saw. He couldn't save Jesus. He couldn't pray for Christ, couldn't save Christ, and now he's becoming down discouraged, broken, and fear. Because of fear, not long after that, Peter denied Christ three times. I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, nah. You know, I prayed for you. And you, you know, your faith is toast. You're going to deny me. Because of fear. The crowd said, you were with that Messiah guy. Or that Jesus guy. He's like, no, not me, not me. So because of fear, because of fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear, he becomes discouraged. Discouraged. You know, fear takes a lot of credit. Fear causes a lot of discouragement. Um, Fear of criticism. You know, you may not step out because you have a fear of criticism, what other people think kind of thing. The fear of responsibility, you know, can I even handle this thing? Or the fear of failure, what if I blow this thing? You know, that speaks to all of us in a major way. Discouragement will get you at some point. But listen, this being, um, experiencing disappointment is inevitable. But discouragement is a choice. So we have to know how to combat discouragement. If you're here today and you're discouraged, listen to me. Take some time and rest. Breathe. Rest. Rest in Jesus Christ. You know, um, what did Peter do 
after the crucifixion to facilitate rest. He went fishing, right? He went out on his boat and he went fishing. He took time to rest. And and listen, remember that God wants to help us. His heart is so that we would be his fully and completely. When we become discouraged, we stop looking to Jesus and start looking to self and we crash and burn. God wants to help us. Peter and six other guys went fishing after the crucifixion. They fished all night, caught nothing. This guy from the shore says, hey, fish the other side. So they fished the other side. Nets were full, completely full. Couldn't even get them in almost. Miracle, the nets didn't break. God wants to help them. God wants to help you and me. If you're discouraged today, just ask him. There is tremendous energy in faith. We need to reboot sometimes. uh, Or reorganize or reset our lives. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It might just be we're doing the right thing the wrong way. So, if we could reestablish, reboot, change some things up, like that prayer app up there with uh, Jonathan talked about, Echo, that's a way of changing things up. You know, it helps you pray in a kind of a different way or organizes your prayers in a different way maybe for some of us. You know, change it up. It's okay. Uh, another great thing about this church, you can be you, and if that means changing it up, change it up. It's okay. There's no preconceived notion of how you're supposed to be. You are you. Be you. Be all you can be, right? I think that was Jesus first. And then uh, some marketing campaign. But the truth is that Jesus asked Peter three times. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter denied Christ. After the fishing incident, after breakfast, they're all hanging on the beach. Jesus takes Peter and says, oh, let's walk over here. He says, listen, do you love me? Peter's like, you know I love you. He's like, feed my sheep, depending on your translations. Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, you know I love you. I love you. Tend to my sheep. Again, he says it to Peter. Do you love me? And Peter's like, now he's just like almost broken. He's like, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And then Jesus says, all right, I'm going to reorganize your life. I'm going to change the way you do things. You are now going to be a minister or an apostle one sent with a message to plant truth and life, I'm going to reorganize your life. Sometimes we have to do the same thing. And listen, the final word of advice through God's word when it comes to growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and getting out of the area of discouragement is resist it or fight back. When it gets hard, don't quit. Fight back. And that doesn't mean the person you're frustrated with or angry, you go and take them out. It means that spiritually we need to fight back. And what's that look like? Simple. 
we got to start with prayer. Prayer. Unload all the junk that you're carrying around with you that brings discouragement. It's okay. Matter of fact, God already knows it. He wants you to unload it. Pray. Let's fight back. We fight back with prayer. If you're discouraged, there's a pretty good chance that you haven't been in God's Word. So we're going to reorganize, reboot, redo. What do we do? We go back to the way it once was when we were immersed in God's Word. Let it saturate you, cover you over. The truth is that God reveals Himself. When we take our eyes off of God and put them on us, we get discouraged. The truth is the Word points us back to Christ. So when we go to the Word, we're going back to Christ. And He's there ready and willing. Worship. We're fighting back. Worship. You know, what happens here on Sunday morning is a beautiful thing. I mean, and I'm sure you can attest to that. Worship is a beautiful thing, but this, as Kyle will tell you, isn't enough. We need to be worshiping every day, every day, subscribing worth to a God that is worthy every day. Bible tells us that God inhabits or tabernacles or occupies the praises of his people. Again, we're going back. We're going away from us and to God. We go back in worship. Worship him. If you're discouraged today, pray, read, worship. And then here's one that we do not want to do when you're discouraged. But the truth is we need to fellowship. We need to fellowship. Or, or I don't know, that's a Christian word. Uh, we need to hang out with each other. And, and the truth is that when God gives you a Christian brother or sister, he is making provisions for you and for me because we are to unload, share the discouragement with someone who loves Jesus, not just a Christian, but somebody who loves Jesus. That's who you share with, and God will work through that and help to remove discouragement. And here's a truth that Satan constantly tries to convince us of well here's a lie that satan tries to convince us of that when you're discouraged you need to be alone don't be around people if you've been discouraged you are discouraged there's a pretty good chance that you don't want to be around anybody you want to be alone that's a mistake we need each other um golden state power in numbers right bro um, we need each other. There is no lone star Christian out there. We, we are all in need of one another. That's how we fight back. We stop playing around and we fight back spiritually. We pray, we read, we worship, and we hang out so that we can edify one another and build one another up. Listen, if you're here today and this means nothing to you, I assure you at some point it's going to, right? And if you've been through it and this is speaking to your heart, share it with somebody else who's discouraged. You may be that provision that God makes for someone else in fellowship. 
Let's fight back. Let's fight back and not quit. Remember the story with Mary at the tomb? Right? Jesus says, who are you looking for? He's like, I'm looking for Jesus. Doesn't recognize him. In the next verse, in verse 16, depending on your translation, it says, Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew means teacher. Ah, she notices him. Verse 17, it says, don't cling to me, Jesus said. For I have yet not ascended to the Father. But go and find the brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, and here it is, I have seen Jesus. Then she went and gave the message. The truth is that when we're discouraged, we stop looking at Jesus. He's no longer in the center of our lives. Now, don't be dis- obviously don't be discouraged. That's the whole point of the, the message. But because of failure, sometimes we tend to believe that God is against us because we blew it. He's given me everything I need, and I messed. Up. And when I mess up, obviously in the flesh we're saying, "Well, that's probably going to be a bad thing." Well. That's not how God rolls. God already knows your failures. He's already forgiven your failures. Don't allow the enemy to convince you not to be a part of what God is doing in your life because of your failure, because of your fear, because of your fatigue, because of your frustrations in this life. Don't allow that to separate you from the greatest, most fulfilling thing that could ever you've ever received is that's the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the victory in which we get when we go to Jesus through this Holy Spirit and God's word. She's seen the Lord. We got to be seeing God. If you're discouraged and you're not seeing Jesus, reboot. Shut it down, start it back up and do things different. Fight the good fight. Do not allow the progress of the kingdom to stop in your life because that's not the will of God for you or me or anybody. John the Baptist, right? He knew Jesus was the Messiah, but yet he asked, yo, I need some evidence. In verse 4, Jesus told them, go back to John. And tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead raised from the light, raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he added, God bless those who do not fall away because of me. Although John's faith was weak and he doubted in prison, once he heard his disciples share that truth, he knew. Again, then his focus left the circumstances, the prison, and the inevitable understanding that he would soon go to be with the Father. But he knew. He knew. And it changed. He saw Christ. And it changed him from discouraged to prepared to go see him. Big deal. Listen, perception is huge. 
Perception uh, is a very powerful tool either for good or evil. When we get our eyes on what's really important, seeing Jesus, discouragement dissolves, just dissolves away. Supernatural work of God will change what this, this junk in us and remove it. Um, mashed potatoes. Not, not fresh mashed potatoes, but instant mashed potatoes. Put a bit of scoop in your mouth. Maybe you take a drink while it's still in your mouth. Dissolves, right? I'm sure nobody in here does instant mashed potatoes, but... Okay, bad example. It just dissolves away, right? You got to know when you crash and burn. Let it go. Let it go. Listen, my airplane got crushed. My little heart got crushed. But you know what? By the end of that day, Dad came around the corner, and he had a new plane. And as soon as the new plane was in sight, or better said, as soon as my dad was in sight, the discouragement left, went away. So if you're in here and you're struggling, and there's no shame in struggling, there's no shame in discouragement, disappointment, nothing you can do about it. Discouragement, there is something we can do about it. We can fight back, and we can be called the chosen, the elect, the one that God desires to move through to further his kingdom in this world through you, through you. God is, is waiting. He is ready and waiting. So remember, Kyle, remember, if you're fighting with this thing, if you're struggling with this thing, rest. God gives you permission to shut it down and just rest. Remember, God's willing to help us. Or reboot. Let's start this thing over. Reorganize. Maybe change some priorities. God wants to help and move. And then resist or fight back. Do not allow discouragement to hinder the work of God in your life. Amen? Amen. All right, if you would, I had a buddy that always used to say this, a pastor colleague of mine. Would you stand to your feet? How else do you stand? You always stand to your feet, right? And we're going to just sing a song and worship Christ. And if nothing else today, allow this song to put your eyes back on Jesus, if it's not, so that when we leave here, nothing will stop your progress. For God's glory and our good. Amen. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak, all who are weak, come to the to the fountain